Welcome to the Inspiring You Show, where we shine a light on healing whole health in our lives. We believe that in healing your story, you can transform your life. We are here to provide hope, tips, tools, resources, and a community so no one feels alone in this journey called life. I'm Henry, an intuitive empath, mindfulness meditation teacher, dowsing and Reiki master teacher, and energy healer. This, my friends, is a vibrational experience, a remembering of the truth of who we are. The content is light encoded to assist you on your journey if you wish to receive for your highest good. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hello, 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 my friends. Today we're going to be talking about how to let go of the past. So friends, let's just admit, in this human experience, there are times when letting go of the past can be super challenging. I mean, events that we found difficult can have a significant influence on our daily life. From our beliefs to the decisions we make and how we choose to perceive the world in our humaning. And, you know, some examples of past events that can be challenging to let go of can include, but remember there's also many others, can include mistakes or regrets, really being hard on oneself, like, why didn't I know better? Um, events that were upsetting or disturbing, perceived successes or failures, and also intimate relationships. And with those intimate relationships, it's not just romantic relationships, also friendships or family um, situations that may have gone not so great. So how do we let go of past traumas and hurts? And also, let's just be honest, like why doing this can be difficult. There Recently, I was in a, in a really just amazing conversation with um, one of my maternal aunts and, and just, it was just so interesting listening to how, how like my mom was raised from another perspective because from someone growing up in the household, my maternal grandparents they worked really hard. My, my, we call them Meme and Pepe. Meme and Pepe, they just worked from sun up to sundown. And, you know, they were in what I would say is, you know, survival, where every day they had a list of the chores to do. My grandfather, um, for much of his life, worked at the mills in Lowell, Massachusetts, and he would work all day in the mills and then he would come home and they had a, a small plot of land where he would farm the land for, you know, vegetables and other things like that. And so he was like tilling the land. So that way they had, you know, food, money to buy things and then food on the table. And my grandmother, my maternal grandmother, she like did all, you know, the cooking, the cleaning, but also she made all of the clothes. And she was, she was somebody who could look at a dress in a store and she could go home and make the pattern and then make the dress just like the dress that was in the store. She was just an just incredible expert seamstress and and so they worked really, really hard. Work, 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 work. 
in survival mode. And so as you can imagine, there wasn't always a lot of room for intimacy. When I was growing up and I was around my paternal grandparents as somebody who's highly sensitive to to just energy and feelings, I just always felt like specifically from my, you know, from my Pepe, I just felt like just such, there's a lot of just anger and resentment and exhaustion and tiredness. And they didn't quite have the capabilities of, um, you know, bringing in the unity and, and, and love and, being able to enjoy one another and get to know one another because their whole lives really had been spent working, 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 and not really in relationship with one another. So, you know, in hearing about my maternal grandparents, it really gives me a lot of insight in my own experience of growing up then with a parent who was raised in that household. And I then have a lot of compassion for, you know, my mom as a child, you know, she, you know, every, every generation then is evolving and the consciousness is rising, which means then also wanting something perhaps different than the next generation. Yet my maternal grandparents, there was just a lot of fear, a lot of fear in terms of um, progression and evolving. And so even if my mom may have wanted to go to um, college or, or do something that um, her parents' generation wouldn't have thought of doing, maybe, it really wasn't in the scope of my maternal grandparents, really their desires or their, their ability to encourage their children to, to, you know, grab life by the horns and go out and, and discover and be all you can be. In fact, you know, I, I discovered that my paternal grandfather, one of the, one of the, one of the things that he would say in his languaging, you know, in working, workshopping with his children would be if a child, you know, brought home that they wanted to go, you know, do X, Y, and Z, you know, go off to college or go explore the world, my grandfather would say, who do you think you are that you want to go do X, Y, and Z? And it wasn't necessarily said in a tone that was encouraging. It was, it was a tone that could then be in a perception of, you know, if you're receiving it, well, I'm not worthy of this or... I'm not capable or smart enough. And it could really, especially a child or a young adult, it could really potentially diminish your spirit. And so you really have to have a lot of resolve to rise above it. And, and that can also stay with you and linger. And what's interesting is, is that um, in growing up in my own household, this is a saying that I would hear my mom say, and, and, she still says it to this day. You know, if I, if I say I'm, I'm going to, I don't know, it could be if I'm going to, you know, up the street to go get a latte, my mom sometimes will say things, oh, that must be nice. Who do you think you are? Because somebody else is making me my latte. And even though my mom 
wants me to go and enjoy these things. And she also enjoys, you know, a good latte at a, at a coffee shop. It's something that was inherited in her household. It is a, it's a pattern. It's a, it's a program. And she doesn't have, like, she may not even realize that it comes from her own father and growing up in that household because I was raised, you know, in, she was very, she said this all the time about what she wanted for her children. I want you all to go see the world, go to college, go do what makes you happy in terms of your dreams. And she was very encouraging about all of that. Yet the thing is, like, how do you let go of the past? And if you were raised in a household that there were these sayings and and these these beliefs you know, that just get handed. And, and, and it can be very um, innocent, some of these sayings that you don't even realize in your language that you're saying. Yet, at, since I was a child and growing up, anytime I've heard my mom use this specific statement, I like recoil inside. As soon as I hear the, who do you think you are? I, it, it feels so heavy. It doesn't feel good. I feel like a tightening of the chest. I feel like it's lack, lack-mindedness, scarcity. Um, as a child, whew, I would, I would like in my head, I would be like cancel Claire and I would then double down on, you know, of course I can go do this. And, and in my mom's perspective, it probably seemed like I was at times being really assertive in my language of saying certain things, but I ultimately, because the energy was so strong and now I understand it was generational. It wasn't just my mom. It was from my maternal grandfather, which he probably got it from his parents. It's probably like generations. And it felt like I was being held hostage in a, in just imprisoned into, I have to stay in the small box and I can't possibly move out. And it felt so suffocating. And so now I have the perspective of like, Oh, that is from my grandfather who probably received it from his grandparents. And they were in this experience of work, 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 work. And, they were caught in the trap of survival and they didn't, I don't know. Did I like, I just wonder, did they ever really let themselves really enjoy their relationships with one another? Did they let themselves enjoy their relationship with their kids? I know I had moments with my maternal grandparents when I was young. Um, but I don't have any kind of um, like as I as I as I aged, I don't have any kind of recollection of memories when I was um, you know when I was in when I was like eight, nine, ten. It was really when I was young that I have some fond memories of my maternal grandparents because as I aged and they progressed, they just, it just, they were really caught in the trap of to doing and, and 
wasn't necessarily in a, in a space to have intimate relationships where you can enjoy being with one another or enjoy getting to know with one, one another and be in kind of unity, bringing in unity in the family unit and having this energy of like love. I don't remember ever like even like talking about love with my grandparents or ever, ever saying like, I love you to them. Um, and so, and you know, and it just kind of, it brings me to have more compassion for my parents. Well, for my mom, because, you know, she grew up in a household that, um, it was all work-based and, she then may have wanted to experience love and and the energy of love, you know, from family, from parents. And if you don't have um, a parental unit or one parent bringing in cohesion in terms of the heart and bringing in unity within the siblings and the family, then things can just, people just go, it's like little kittens. People just go all over the place. And then you end up not having some sort of like a cohesive family experience sometimes. And what was interesting is my dad's side of the family, they were very, very, very family oriented. And so all of our holidays were really spent with my dad's family where as soon as you see them, they hug you, they, they tell you they love you. Um, it was a very different experience than going to visit, you know, my mom and her parents. When we visited my mom and her parents, it was just us visiting to say hello. Um, we didn't, they, my maternal grandparents weren't very social where they had the whole family over, even though there's multiple kids and I have a lot of cousins on, I have a lot of cousins on both sides, but my dad's side was all about always getting all the generations together, all of them. So sometimes you could have like a hundred people in one room. Yet my mom, she really didn't have that until she married my dad. And so, and so it, it's like she, and although my mom is close to, um, you know, one of her siblings, it's just, you just think about surviving, which goes back to like, how do you, how do you let go of the past in, and especially when you've been raised in like the fifties and, and when it was a different time and there was, there was certain expectations, a lot of things weren't talked about. In fact, I just watched um, a movie called Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. And in the movie, it is, it is a, one of my clients recommended it. So if you're listening to this, you know who you're, who you are. Thank you so much for recommended. It's, it's a, it is a feel good fairy tale and it is about this delightful woman. She is middle-aged woman or so. Um, she is, it's a kind of like a heartwarming escapist kind of celebration of, of just kind of life when you, you, you get to a certain point and she is, um, it just was such a lovely movie. And, and she's somebody who had been a widow and she was actually a backdated war widow. And, you know, the pensions didn't start kicking in till later at a point. And she was a London cleaning lady and she had this dream. She 
one day was at a house cleaning a house and she opened up a wardrobe and she saw the most amazing, beautiful gown and she just fell in love. And it was just like this beautiful dress. And she was then determined that I'm going to go to Paris and I'm going to get myself one of these dresses. And it was just this really just fun, inspiring, just insightful, um, movies. And what was amazing about it, it was from my viewpoint, it just was like somebody who was learning to live again, because in some ways she had put her life on hold, waiting for understanding about whether or not her husband was going to come back from the war. And she had just been you know, settling into every day, getting up to go to work and living this certain life. And throughout this movie, she then discovers or rediscovers her ability to love life and want to actually show up and live. And she's just this charming, charming character. And it just, to me, it just reminds you how important it is to be able to enjoy your life and show up and that you can have love at any age. And by this, I don't mean like she falls in love romantically. I mean about falling in love with life, that you can fall in love with life at any age and you can find connection with people and intimacy. And it doesn't have to be just like romantic. It can just be where you have these amazing heart-centered conversations and they're so inspiring and it actively then supports people then, you know, changing their life in ways that are so beneficial and it brings people together instead of people just dividing and being in survival mode. And so it was a really beautiful experience of just seeing abundance and magic and inspiration on so many, so many levels. And It's also, I love, you know, I love Paris. Um, I've never been yet, but I love seeing the city and I also love fashion too. So there's a portion of there and that. And it just was delightful and it just made my heart feel like in so much joy of the reminder that like in terms of living life, like are you living life? Are you letting yourself be in joy? Are you letting yourself have these amazing conversations with people where you can connect and you leave just feeling so heart inspired and so happy that you made an acquaintance? And it doesn't mean that you're going to have to be lifelong friends, but you made a difference in each other's lives that are so spectacular in an inspiring way. And so I can't recommend the movie enough because it's just a real great feel good um, feel good movie. So back to then, you know, about like letting go of the past. And that's why I brought up Mrs. Harris goes to Paris because there was a point where, you know, she had to let go of the past in terms of, you know, waiting, finding out about her husband and then allowing herself to move on where she was still living, where she allowed herself to continue really living and letting herself have that second chance 
at life. Life may not have been going where she thought it was going to go, but now letting herself have that chance. And so she had to then, you know, let go of, um, you know, events that were possibly upsetting, obviously losing a loved one, losing your husband, the loss and grief, really upsetting, losing a loved one in war, upsetting. Um, and then any, any kind of then, you know, where she may have also blocked herself off from having intimate relationships because she was holding herself back, waiting for her husband to come home, which then she's waiting, waiting, waiting in survival mode, not really living She's just doing doing what she needs to survive, getting up every day, going to work, which this movie was set in the 50s, which kind of reminds me of the connection to my grandparents, my maternal grandparents, where, you know, their clockwork was really set to work, 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 work. And it wasn't really, you know, how much did they enjoy the interaction with their relationships? How much love was really in the household? And I didn't really, I didn't really feel when I would go into their house, I did not feel like the energy of love in the household, not because they didn't want to love. It's just, they were so caught in the trappings of survival and all these programming and patterning just overrode like who they truly authentically are. There were moments that my grandparents really did enjoy and one of it was my grandmother loved she loved watching the Red Sox and I always loved seeing her watch the Red Sox because she was so she just was so present and engaged in yelling at the television cheering for the team and also when she she also loved Lawrence Welk I don't know if anybody remembers but I also loved you know when the having her listen to them on TV and, you know, the orchestra and the big band because she was so active and present in it. And it made me so happy that she was so engaged. Yet what's sad is that I, like, she wasn't able to have that engagement with me, like with her grandkids or maybe my some of my some of my cousins did. I don't know. Maybe my brothers did. I don't know. I can just only speak from my experience. And and it's just, that's where, okay, are you engaging more with the television? Are you able to engage with one another in intimacy where you're getting to know, you know, who, you know, who your child is, who your loved one is, who your grandkid is, who your friend is are you asking them questions or are you just showing up and going through like a checklist you know on automatic pilot and because you may not have learned how to have um you know relationships where you're actually relationing with each other and so coming back to then the whole letting go of the past my friends it can be challenging on many levels because of all these reasons where you can have generationally things that have been handed down that you may not even realize that you think or say. It could be completely unconscious. And when you say something, you may not even realize you're saying it or delivering it that way, but it was something that you learned. So 
why, so it's difficult sometimes to let go of the past because life experiences really can affect us in a variety of ways. Some people find it easy to move on after a difficult experience, while others find that these experiences may have a lasting impact on their mental, emotional, and sometimes their physical health. And people who struggle to let go of specific events from the past may also have experienced trauma, and trauma can look different on each person. Trauma is kind of a psychological wound that can result from any distressing experience such as loss, danger, or deep embarrassment or shame. And when you have statements that, you know, when I was, what I was talking about where it's, you know, who do you think you are? That can be a real uh, shame inducing statement that can be trauma, a psychological wound where you then it's connected to your self-worth. Like, who do you think you are? And the next thing you know, you're circling in some sort of poverty mindset and then you're wondering why, you know, you're you're leaking in terms of your abundance. And even though you're working hard and 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 making seemingly great money, you're like, where is all the money going? And it could be because this this trauma, this energetic wound is there from this limited belief that was like implanted and is ready to be cleared potentially. So and also some some people experience rumination, too. And if you haven't experienced rumination, amazing. I'm so happy for you. Um, so some people experience rumination or a tendency to think excessively about something, about about the same things. So you think about the same thing again and again and again. Rumination may make it difficult to solve problems, therefore, thereby, thereby preventing people from moving forward. It can really make you create you in a stuck place where you're living in your head. Um, and it's really a common feature of depression, um, OCD, uh, generalized anxiety disorder, postpartum stress disorder. There are also some who get caught in events in the past because there's also an unconscious desire to avoid being hurt in the future that could also then block. So let's just talk about how to let go of the past. One, for me, I use the tools of meditation to support um, realization because one, coming into the realization that, oh, I'm caught in something, and then I use energy healing to clear and release. Yet one of the first steps, though, is making a commitment, making setting an intention to let go. You have to be willing to be willing to let go, to let yourself release from something, to allow a new change to happen. So the first step toward letting go is realizing that it is necessary and feeling ready to do so. This can happen at different times for different people. Yet once you make the decision, my friends, it can be so empowering. And also, it also supports you. Like when I when I think about like my mom and my grandparents, I just have so much more compassion and loving kindness and love for them all because I just see it from that compassionate point of view of like they they really did do the best they can and they were in survival. And I can't imagine how challenging that must have been for them because I wonder, did they ever, did they feel loved? Did my grandfather receive love from his family? Did my grandmother? And I don't even know who my I don't even know who my grandparents' parents were. 
Like what was, I don't even know what their childhood was like. And, and, and I don't even know who, I don't even know. I don't know what their family lives were like. Did they feel loved? Did they, you know, how did my, I don't even know how my grandparents, my maternal grandparents or my paternal grandparents met. So it's, you know, when you're looking to let go of the past, I find it also beneficial to also widen your lens, to allow yourself to bring in compassion because somewhere along the line, something was created, whether it was a belief or a pattern or a program, and then all this trauma possibly happened to create some sort of hurt in people. And then from there, all these walls went up and then they were in survival mechanisms doing the best that they can. So the first step or one of the steps to letting go is making that commitment, realizing that it is necessary and feeling ready to do so. And again, this can happen at different times for different people. Yet once you make the decision, it can be really empowering. All right. Another step is friends, you got to feel the feelings. And I don't mean that you have to go full blown into the story. You don't necessarily need to do that. You don't need to go in digging into every little detail. It's just when you have those aha moments, like for me, when I, when I realized like, oh, that's where it came from. Um, and I had been, I had been like, what is this? Like anytime my mom had said that statement, I'm like, what is, where is this from? And now I understand. I, I received the information. It was downloaded. I got the self-realization and I can release from it from a whole new perspective now. So memories of past events can bring up complex or strong emotions. Allowing yourself to feel these feelings unconditionally without trying to fight or fix them is an important step toward processing what happened. This can be challenging, so it may help to express these feelings in a safe place, such, a, such as a journal with a trusted friend, a therapist, some sort of practitioner, making sure that you have the tools and the support you need. Recovery groups, support groups, there's a lot of different 12-step programs um, that have great tools. So another step would be letting yourself, when you feel ready, releasing feelings of unresolved anger, betrayal, and resentment. So these feelings of unresolved anger, betrayal, and resentment are common among those who struggle to let go of a past event. Anger and resentment can also occur in the aftermath of trauma or as an, as an associated feature of PTSD. Y'all, I had work PTSD, so I definitely, and I also then at some point was like, oh my God, is it okay that I feel anger? And then I read a book that literally was titled Anger by Thich Nhat Hanh, and it really taught me uh, how to be okay, and then how to also release anger. It's I recommend that book. It really helped me process um, um, anger and also understand it at another level. So some additional steps to take to manage this, any kind of emotions, including expressing, you want to just be able, to, if you are in anger, you do want to be able to express it in a safe way. 
While anger is a feeling and physiological state, aggression involving taking action on those feelings, you want to just make sure that you're not doing this because you don't want to cause any additional harm to you or to others. So you just want to make sure that you're doing this in a safe way, which is why having um, a trauma therapist or some sort of practitioner practitioner to support you or a support group or all of them um, can really be helpful. What can um, somatic experiencing can be really good as well. That's a very good um, beneficial trauma treatment uh, because it is possible to express anger in a safe way. You just want to make sure that you're doing it for your benefit as well as for um, those around you. Okay. So other things that you can do, uh, journal, write your feelings on paper. And then if you want, you can do a whole ceremony to release it. You can either rip it up or um, also in a safe way, if you have some place like a fireplace or something, if it's cool enough, you can put it on and do a whole burning ceremony, um, making sure that you turn off the fire afterwards so it's safe. Also, expressing your feelings through art, music, or other creative hobbies can really be beneficial. Engaging in exercise or sports can also be helpful to clear and release. I, you know, for me, um, I use mindfulness meditation, also energy healing. I do Reiki and dousing energy healing. I usually will turn on, I'll do a Reiki meditation first, and then I'll journal. And then after I journal, I then Reiki the journaling. And then I, from my journaling, whatever came up, I go and do a dousing energy healing session for myself. That's what I do. Um, but you know, you may need different modalities and that's why I'm just throwing other things out there. Learning to let go of also control may be involved, identifying why the need for control exists and exploring beliefs surrounding what happens if one loses control. So you may need to do some exploring on that, identifying feelings or events that trigger the need for control and thinking of ways to cope with them in a healthier way, practicing letting go of control in small manageable steps, such as by, such as by delegating a task to somebody else, beginning to also make decisions based on love rather than fear, and I mean the energy of love rather than the energy of fear. Over time, um, this may help also to prove to ourselves that we do, do not need to control things in order to be happy or to solve problems. Also, I mentioned mindfulness, so let's talk a little bit more about mindfulness. Practicing mindfulness. Mindfulness is a skill, my friends. It is a skill that encourages us to focus on what is happening in the present. Some ways to practice mindfulness can include noticing small joys such as an amazing meal or you could be outside. Um, I often will feel like the wind and uh, the wind just brings such joy to my just joy to my heart. Also the warmth of the sun on the skin, noticing that, spending time in nature, bringing attention back to the environment whenever the mind wanders, that can be really helpful. Engaging in mindful creative hobbies such as drawing, playing musical instruments, um, also doing 
um, chanting meditations, chanting meditations, uh, really toning can really help you with the vagus nerve and can help reset practicing mindfulness meditation, uh, with mindfulness meditation though, if you have disassociated and you are, um, in the beginnings of healing PTSD, I wouldn't really recommend mindfulness meditation. I would say doing chanting meditation or toning um, can really help you because you're going to help rewire and support the vagus nerve, resetting the nervous system as well. So um, if you are able to do mindfulness meditation, beginners trying mindfulness meditation can try this method. Sit somewhere quiet with no distractions, close your eyes, take a couple of deep breaths, and then you focus on the inhale and exhale, focusing on the inhale and the exhale. And then when thoughts come up of the past, simply allow them for a moment before returning to the focus of the breath. So that is how you do basic mindfulness meditation. Um, you can also practice self-compassion, much like when I was talking about my family, um, you know, it just gave me more self-compassion for my own experience and then more compassion for my family. Self-compassion involves treating oneself with kindness, care, and forgiveness. We can practice self-compassion by changing our self-talk. That's right, my friends. You want to work on that self-talk. This involves noticing when our thoughts become critical and replacing them with more forgiving alternatives. Keeping a self-compassion journal or working with affirmations or mantras can be an amazing way to practice this skill. Because remember, you just want to put it in your skill set, in your tools, which means then you have to practice with it. And if there's a certain language or way of languaging that you've been presenting yourself with, then there might be a pattern of way of speaking to yourself so then you want to use um, affirmations and mantras whenever you catch yourself, cancel clear the thought, and then bring in the affirmation and say it to yourself like five or ten times to start retraining the brain so that we have different neural pathway and different ways of thinking um, for yourself. The next would be um, being open to forgiveness. Forgiveness, my friends, forgiveness. Forgiveness does not mean condoning the harmful actions of others or accepting their apologies. Instead, forgiveness can mean accepting that someone's actions were damaging while also letting go of anger in order to benefit your well-being. It can take time to work toward forgiving in terms of others or forgiving oneself. And it may involve processing emotional pain, understanding what caused it, and thinking about what it would take to forgive. There are amazing forgiveness meditations to do. Um, I recommend it. I have done a lot of forgiveness meditations. I usually do mirror work when I do it. Forgiveness is so powerful. It just helps you release from the past too. Oh, I can't recommend it enough. Um, and I recommend doing like a 40-day forgiveness meditation. Okay, so next let's talk about how to let go of past relationships. Friends, it can be particularly difficult to let go of relationships. As humans, 
we can really form deep attachments with each other. Kumbaya, my friends. And we can have these amazing moments. Oh, and then in addition to then, you know, the deep attachments, when things are then happening, it can be difficult then to let go. But here are some things that, um, that can support you. One, knowing that in this moment, it's a new moment. It's a present moment. And all those other moments that you have with that person, it doesn't mean that they didn't happen. It happened. It's just the energy has shifted. The energy has changed. Maybe the energy will change again and it will be the energy of you coming back together. But at this point, the energy has been in completion. And so the energy is flowing a different direction for either, for both of you. And it's not right, wrong, good or bad. It's the isness. Some people stay on you, stay with you on your path for the entire life experience in this human experience. Other people, it could be a moment. It could be a season. It could be a couple seasons. And so what you want to look at then, you know, what are the gifts? What did you, what did you garner as gifts, you know, from each other, from, from being with one another. And then with it, then letting yourself, I, I use energy healing, dosing energy healing to release any kind of, um, any kind of cotton attachments because then it would be some sort of an energetic um, link, non-beneficial link that would need to be released. That's what I would do. But there are other things that you can do, you know, for the human. You can, um, you know, you can limit contact. If it's a, it's a, you know, ex romantic partner, you can limit contact. You can also reduce reminders by, you know, hiding them on social media. If you need that, you can also set and respect, do setting and respecting boundaries. Also spending a lot of time on self-care and personal growth will help you um, do a lot of things that are loving and caring. What I would recommend is also um, uh, trying not to just um, get together with friends that you would end up in, conversations where you're just necessarily complaining because then the complaining energy is going to stay with you. And then that's how you get deeper caught into not letting go of the relationship. Um, you want to focus on also what is possible outside of the relationship. Um, and again, I would use dousing energy healing because I find dousing to be one of the most efficient ways to clear yourself from, um, uh, from links that are, that have become non-beneficial and not in a judgment way, but in a discernment way, because the energy has been completed and the, the human may not have fully processed it, but yet on some level you understand the energy has been completion and a completion. So, but you know, letting go of the past is just not always easy. And particularly if you have experienced emotional pain that is unresolved. So if letting go of the past is proving really challenging and negative thoughts and emotions persist for weeks or months, consider seeing a therapist, energy healer, or talking to your daughter, uh, talking to your doctor, (laughs) talking to your doctor. 
Um, don't be afraid to seek support, my friends. Uh, definitely seek help. There is so much help out there. You are not alone. You are not alone. There's so much help out there. There's therapists, there's doctors, there's energy healers, there's all kinds of practitioners. Uh, uh, <laughs> I can't even say um, There's all kinds of modalities. Uh, somatic healing. There's also recovery, 12-step programs. Oh my God, my friends. There's just so, so much out there that can support you. There's also books that can support you. Um, there's so much. So there's also a lot of podcasts. So let yourself find what is going to work for you and know that it is 100% possible. You can release from the past to be in the present, to allow yourself to move forward. And if you do feel like, you know, you're kind of in a low place, sometimes if I'm needing a little energy of hope or feel good, uh, I do turn to the movies or TV. And as I mentioned, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris is that kind of feel good story. I also watch a lot of Hallmark because the energy of the stories there just remind me of the possibility of hope coming together and really just supporting one another in a just, um, you know, loving way. Um, so anyway, I hope that supports you. If you need any support or help, you can always reach out to me as well. And I have a lot of different offerings that can support you. Once a month, I do a, a dousing group energy healing and it is also with the energies of the month. And that is, I offer that for $25 for people. So that way you can, if you're not able to do a private session, that is something that could be, you know, within your budget. I also try to do a lot of energy healing sessions and meditations on this podcast to support people to have tools and um, to bring in help. But again, you know, there are a lot of different things that can help you just be open to the possibility of letting yourself receive that support and help for your highest good and know that you are worthy of it. My friends, you are worthy of it. You deserve to live an amazing life and to have love and joy and to feel really great in this present moment and to feel inspired and letting yourself really feel fulfilled and just living just this dynamic life here and being in gratitude and having such heart to heart, intimate, you know, relationships and conversations and joy and hope and happiness. You are amazing, my friends. Just remember that. All right. Much love, light and Reiki blessings, everyone.